Hello and welcome to Second Cherry, almost a Eurovision podcast. I'm Matt. And I'm Monty. Hello. Hello. How the fuck are you? Well, I'm fucking well, Monty. <laughs> <laughs> that's we, how the fuck I am. That's how the fuck we are. <laughs> we are, uh, yeah, we've gone with the explicit rating every every episode this year. We don't yeah. care. Because the more alcohol we consume, the more we swear and we're like, let's just go with it. Yeah. Fuck it. Fuck it. <laughs> so here we are. This is our third bonus episode where we're talking about the songs that were selected for Eurovision but didn't make it to Eurovision. So they're sort of like half cherries but not quite cherries. Unripe cherries. Unriped cherries. <laughs> cherries you still put in your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So anyway. <laughs> let's kick off the first song. Um, had enough of your cherries. <laughs> we've we've recorded these back to back. Let's not let's just make no bones about it. Let's just yeah. tell it as it is. We're in the midst of the uh, coronavirus pandemic. We are drunk. We are absolutely just fed up with the world. And here we are. Let's do it. <laughs> let's do this. So first song. So obviously, no, we're on to the big six. This is what yes. we're on now. So we've done the, the semi-finals. We're now talking about the big six. The, the songs, big five. The big, well, the big plus five the plus the hosts. Yes. So they are the big six. So it's, um, yeah, the Netherlands, France, Germany, Italy, Spain, the United Kingdom. Mm. We're going to end with the United Kingdom because we've got stuff to say. But here we are. The Netherlands. Don't take it personally. Don't be offended. The Netherlands, yes. The lovely Jean-Gu McCroy was selected with a song called Grow. This is, I think this is one of the most interesting songs that was selected this year. Okay. Um, it's not at all what I was expecting mm. as a Eurovision song. And there's something about it where it's just growing and just getting going and then it just stops. And it's a quite sudden stop and it really feels as though this is a longer song that's just had the end sliced off to make it Eurovision fit in terms of the time. But the more I listen to it, the more I really, really like it. It's such an unusual song. I think it would have got a lot of interest, but I just fear that that ending would have been, people would have just been going, oh, it's just ended. Where does it go from there? So, which could have been to its detriment. But I think this would have been a really interesting home entry. A very competent song, a very competent singer, a very likeable singer. Yeah. And a singer that's going to be one of the returning artists next year. So we will get to see him at Eurovision. Wait, has that been year. confirmed? It has been confirmed, okay. yes. Well, it's been confirmed on Wikipedia, at least. No, um, they did say he's, no. he has been confirmed. Well... Um, he was one of the first to be confirmed, I think, after it was cancelled. Really? Because I only did a video, and that's what I love about him. I really, really love him. He did this video like, you know, guys, you know, totally chilled out about the fact that it's just been cancelled and he's, you know, 
it was you're not going to perform on this stage of Eurovision when 200 million people can be watching it's just like yeah don't worry guys you know just everyone stay safe you know, I feel like he is one of the most likeable entries mm-hmm. at Eurovision that we're going to get or are going to get as so, as so is the song doesn't go anywhere it doesn't end with I hate to say the big finish like you need the big finish you don't need the big finish but you need you need an you engaging need finish. Just to end. You need an engaging finish, yeah. and this doesn't have that, which means it's not necessarily a Eurovision song. But as a song, I love it. I love him. I love the theme and the message of the song. There's in the video, he's. It looks like he's having you know this self help, not self help, sorry, but like group help, mm. helping you know working through your feelings, working through the things that you find difficult. I love that sort of visual I don't know how they would have portrayed that or if they would have portrayed that on stage at Eurovision now that you tell me that he's coming back to Eurovision I'm really happy with that I'm really ha- I think he's a he was a strong selection so absolutely I'm very happy with that as well I can't wait to finally meet him next year yeah yes so the next song is France and Ton Lee with The Best in Me, which is, I think, the revamped version, which is the Eurovision version, which obviously we're going to talk about, is Molelia. Yeah, Yeah. I think I've said that right. You have, yeah. You, you are the best in me Au fond de moi j'ai compris You are, you are, you are Et tout ce qu'on s'est jamais dit Reviens me hanter jour et nuit You are, you are, you are You are the best me So this was a song which I suppose you could say had the biggest fanfare. You don't get much more than the bigger fanfare than on top of the Eiffel Tower. Yes, it was a big presentation, wasn't it? it was yeah. A, and was it worth waiting for? No. <laughs> well, let me Very think quick. about... No, 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 hold on. Let's be fair. Let me think about that. No. I, well, I think this would have done a lot better than people think it might have. Okay. Because a lot of people wrote this off. Um, there's... Uh, it's written by John Lundvig, of course. Co-written by John Lundvig. Um, who wrote um, the Swedish and uh, UK song last year. And there was that funny little cartoon going around. Did you see it? It's a picture of uh, John Lundvik dressed as the uh, the Grim Reaper coming out of uh, the UK dressing room and knocking on the door of France. <laughs> we were basically saying, having ruined the UK's chances, he's going to ruin France's chances. Oh, no. no he's a little bit mean. I, I don't mind this. I think it's quite... Uh, I mean, I can see why people see it's a little bit kind of sort of Eurovision by numbers. It's a bit kind of... It's in the same vein as a song which didn't do particularly well. But there's just something, I don't know, something about it. I think it would have done all right. Not a winner, but I don't think it would have been in the you know, bottom few as many, many people predicting okay. it. I feel like, you know, there was a Westlife feel to this. And I suppose people in the Western part of Europe would understand what that means more than, you know, it's it, there's... And that, when you say it's formulaic, it's, you know, it's Eurovision by numbers, well, that's pretty much every single Westlife song. It was very much, they're very much written to a a brief. But, um, okay, well, maybe, maybe I was wrong. But, you know, I feel like this was, this was uh, one of the, my least favourite French entries in quite a while. But, you know, there we go. 
Yeah. It's certainly not one of the best French entries. I mean, I think France has been, you know, almost criminally under-rewarded for some of the songs that they've sent. They've sent some brilliant songs over the year. Uh, and this wasn't up there as you know it, with with some of those, but I just don't think it would have been quite the disaster that people were making it out to okay. be. Okay, that's fair. But can I ask you this? Mm-hmm. Was this song? I'm not going to say about the artist because I feel like that's unfair. Was this song worth dropping the national final for? Oh no, I don't think it was because actually Destination Eurovision the national final that had been there, really building up some good, young, up-and-coming talent in the past couple of years, I think was doing really, really great things. You know, it may not have delivered a winner, but I think it was delivering some really, really interesting songs. Mm. And I miss it this year. I really do miss it. We'll dig into that on the French episode, I think, but... Yeah, I agree. We can't have a French episode. It was an internal selection. Of course. So, oh my God. So we can talk about it. No, it's absolutely not. So Destination Eurovision, absolutely. I'm gutted. Not just because we are second cherry and that's our bag, but because what are you doing? Like, France, what are you doing? Because I'm not going to try and like create things now, but their head of delegation quits. Mm-hmm. I can't remember whether he quit. He quit after that. He quit after the the fact that they weren't mm. going to have yeah the national final. I just feel like I understand the frustration. I'm British. Hello, I understand the frustration of Eurovision, but you had a national final that was strong. Now, all right, the results at Eurovision didn't deliver, but Madame Monsieur, great. Bilal Hassani, great. I just feel like stick with it, stick, give it a third, give it a fourth year. Mm. And look, I don't know what the, the, I know, I do know, the French viewing viewership wasn't amazing. So that's probably why it's dropped. But, mm. ah, you know, I just feel like when, you, when you're like, well, okay, fine, drop the national final, but what are you going to bring? And then they bring this. I feel like I agree. It's a shame. I think you're right. I think you should stick with a, a, a change in direction for a few years. I mean, it, the Dutch had a very, very distinct change in direction and it has taken them a number of years to build that up and finally win. But it's proof that it can be done. You can change the complete fortunes of your, your country around. But I think you're right, not just instantly go, oh, well, that didn't work, so we're going to throw that out and we're going to you know, try something completely new again. I would have uh, liked to have seen the, 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 the final carry on. Germany next, Ben Dolich and Violent Thing. Oh, don't tell your mama what you're doing tonight. 24 hours ago, you got that look in your eyes. Don't eat your number, cause I know you'll be there. Happen all night and I beat the loud and crush the bleed. Cause if I got you with me tonight, feeling Yeah. This landed well, didn't this? <sighs> didn't it? Wow. wow. This is, this got everybody talking. It was a... It's a great song. I think this would have been fantastic at Eurovision. I think, you know, of all of the, the big five, I think that this probably would have been the the best result of the, the five. Possibly Italy. 
But I think, you know, it would have been yeah. up there. Here's the thing. So we've said before on the podcast last year about how when asked, I said to you that my one of my perfect Eurovision songs or what, what I would envisage for the UK Eurovision was Years and Years mm-hmm. and the song King. Now, Ben Dolich and Violent Thing is very much in that sphere. It's very much Years and Years. It's very current. It's cool and it's funky. And I feel like that is the sort of thing that especially the countries that can you know especially the countries that have those type of artists in the mix should be sending germany have not been doing great in recent years we know this we know this and last year's national final was let's say interesting to say the mix but here's the thing they were back so I know they haven't made it to Eurovision because there isn't going to be a Eurovision, but I feel like Germany are back and hope for, hopefully next year, fingers crossed, they're going to deliver a similar artist or a similar song or I don't even know if they've been announced. Are they going to bring him back next year? But either way... I don't think they've announced Nothing yet. yet. No. Well, look, here's the thing. Germany were back on track. Let's just have that on the record because this was going to do well. This was definitely, definitely going to do well. Yeah. I think you're right. I mean, Germany's had a torrid time. I mean, we talk about the you know misfortunes of the UK, but Germany had a really, really bad time, and they've had a couple of last places, you know, with artists that I think really thought that they were going to do much better, um, and uh, it's just been it's been woeful. I mean, they had that sort of almost surprise win with Lena. I mean, not a surprise because I thought that song was going to win. Oh come on, it was a surprise. A, no, but it's a, I know I, I I was my winner. Mm. Uh, yeah, but it was a surprise that Germany pulled something yeah, out of the bag for sure um, that was good enough to do that because they'd um, you know they'd had some some real dross but yeah it was just such a shame that we're not going to get to see this on the stage it'd been interesting to see how we performed I've not seen this performance as he was in um, the the voice um, and that's how he um, became uh, well known but um, I would have liked to have um, uh, seen what he did with this on stage mm, yeah it's a real shame but um, here we are. Here we are. Yes. So the next song we're going to look at is Italy. And Diodato with Fire Rumore. Fire Rumore, yeah. Che fai rumore qui E non lo so se mi fa bene Se il tuo rumore mi conviene Ma fai Italy hit and miss for me. I know they've done, of, of all the top five, the big five, they always do the best, generally, over mm-hmm. the last decade at least. And I feel like sometimes they pass me by completely. I don't understand 2018 whatsoever, but there you go. It did really well. This year, I get it. This is stunning. The guy can sing anything. This song has layers that you don't even fucking understand because you don't understand Italian but you get it because it's just fucking amazing I, I this is this was a strong entry this was a, again one of the dark horses in that pool of dark 
who could break out and do something really special. This yeah. is definitely something that could have done well. It's a proper Italian canzone, isn't yeah. it? And it's just this class oozing out of it. There's so much to talk about from this year's Sanremo when we get there. Um, and this was not necessarily my winner of Sanremo, but I think it's one of those songs that just, it, it had the, that advantage at Sanremo where you do get to hear it a few times over yeah. the week. And it just built and built and built. And this was, um, you know, it was up there. I mean, it, it yeah, it's a cracking, cracking ballad. I think they did... Um, well to put the English subtitles out on the official video so you get a sense of it as a non-Italian speaker mm. you can get a real sense of the, the power and the emotion of the song because it is a big powerful and emotional song and let's be honest he can sing oh, fuck he can sing absolutely and actually really I love about him is that he tweeted or Instagram or whatever on the social media about people were playing his song on the balconies when obviously Italy were the first, the, 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 the most mm. hit with the coronavirus and were the first to be on lockdown and him he tweeted about you know people singing his songs from the balcony and stuff like that and he was really emotional about it and I just thought oh just were they really singing his song though because there was quite a lot of fake videos no 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 a few people were caught out of including Madonna and Cheryl Cole no those were fake those were were being sung from the balconies and they tweeted them out themselves it's like they complete Madonna look at the people in Greece hardly anybody not Madonna so but like you know like yeah Yeah. (laughs) there was no but no but in Italy the song that just ran San Remo of course it was the video there was here's how you call it it was the same sort of video that you saw every time with his it was a different video but yeah you know at the end of the day that was a strong entry from a guy who I think probably would have embraced the experience as well I think because the thing with Sam Remo is that this year they had to say before the competition started whether you would or wouldn't go to Eurovision because obviously it's Sam Remo you don't necessarily go to Eurovision it's totally up to you he was one of the people that said he would and I feel like again gutted that we're going to miss that whole vibe at Eurovision yeah so next song Blas Canto and Universo from Spain España What are your thoughts, though? I like this as well. I know a lot of people are doing this down, but I actually really, really like it. It completely works for me. He's an artist that's flirted around with their Eurovision before, tried to get there um, through Destino Eurovision in 2011 with his then band Aurin. And uh, he was also in the the junior selection yeah. as well. He uh, was the uh, that uh, Maria Isabel won the Spanish selection and the junior for Spain in 2004 with their Anson Huerta Que which is a cracking song, by the way. So, you know, it was probably the right song one and it wasn't Blast Who Went. But no, I really like this. It's a, it's a kind of a, it's a modern pop song. Yeah. I really, I love Spanish pop. I absolutely love Spanish pop. When we say Spanish pop on this podcast, by the way, we don't just mean reggaeton. We are no. talking about Spanish pop music. 
Absolutely. Um, and there's just the, it, there's just something very easy to listen to with this. Yeah, it's kind of like not the best example of the genre. Yeah, it's a bit kind of like, you know, we've heard it all before. But it, it just, yeah, it works for me, something like this on stage. Have you, I don't know if you've seen, there's a video going around on YouTube where it's, um, it's Universo, but every time he sings Universo, it gets faster. Oh, I love those videos. <laughs> it's brilliant. So he's singing, <laughs> Perdoname, Perdoname, Uni Universo. Perdoname, Perdoname, Uni Universo. Perdoname, Perdoname. <laughs> and it just speeds, speeds up, so it's like, it's like a chipmunk at the end. It's like so high pitched and so quick. It sounds like but us it, as we drink. <laughs> well, absolutely. Mm. <laughs> but it's, it's great. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it probably would have ended up near the bottom part of the scoreboard yeah. again for Spain. They just, I think, again, the Spanish have just been you know, perennially robbed. You know, they send some decent songs and they don't get the, 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 the votes from it. What is it? Because we said this, we said this last year in the podcast about Spain, about like, you know, we would we would love, all want to go to, to Eurovision mm-hmm. in Spain, Madrid, Valencia, wherever it would be, Barcelona. What is it? Because there have been some songs like I, st- I still can't believe why in twenty twelve, that was the year of euphoria that was always going. But why wasn't like Pastora Soler like pushing there? Why were they not the top two? Why was not the Spanish century that year like the absolute? This could beat euphoria. Why isn't any Spanish century? Sin- what is it about Spanish centuries? Is it the Spanish sound? Because it's the Italian sound as well. Yeah, it's so interesting. What is it? I, because I be, it's a long history of underperforming. So weird. Yeah. I mean, Pastor is, bi- like, is there like an unconscious bias or something? I don't know. I can't put my finger on it. I don't know. I mean, Pastora didn't do too badly. I mean, she was like 10th or something. or something. Well, yeah. She, yeah, that's not bad. But I mean, let's be honest. That song is killer. And that note... I mean, when she held that note. Yeah. And even that. like Ruth Lorenzo, who did quite well, actually. Didn't she? She, she did do quite well. Ruth Lorenzo was 10th and Pastora Soler was 10th. So exactly. actually, they're the two most successful songs that Spain has sent since Ramon was 10th in 2004 with uh, Para Llenarme de Ti. Hoy me quedé vacío para llenarme de ti. Today I emptied myself out in order to fill myself up with you. Oh, is it that song? Yeah, we call that douching. Yeah, that's, um, we, know, we know that. Gays know that. <laughs> um, look, I don't know. Maybe this is something, this is maybe for a longer read somewhere. Someone, maybe this is something like ESE Insight would write about, but I mm. don't understand why Spain have not hosted in the last 20 years. It's been ridiculous. 20 years, 50 years. Well, yeah, I, yeah. I just made up a number, but yeah, but yeah. 50 years. 50 years, 1969 since they last won, and that Wait. was a joint win. How can you like songs, I know, like, songs like Bandido? Like I know Europe getting grip, right? <laughs> you know, because we need. If nothing else, we need to go to Spain. You know? I know. Well, Blast is coming back next year again. Another returning artist confirmed. So who knows? We might get something from him then. So one last song to talk about this year in the songs that were there, but they're not there. And it's our home entry. It's United Kingdom. It's James Newman with my last breath. breath. <laughs> should we should we play it that will survive if we were deep sea divers and no one came to find us if you had nothing left I'll give you my last 
This is the biggest travesty of Eurovision. I had my costume set out already for this. <gasps> what were you going to wear? No, it doesn't matter now. Oh, you can't just drop that in and not tell me. Oh, well... Were you going to wear like a wetsuit? I have... I was... And it's like flippers. Mate, £6 from Amazon. I could not go wrong. <laughs> right? It was a deep sea diver. I was going to stand up on my table in the press centre oh. and sing. But that's never going to happen now because... Eurovision is going to be denied your helmet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that has never been said before. Because <laughs> well, Eurovision yeah, has, has always had my helmet. <laughs> Let's draw discreet veil over that, <laughs> Oh my God, we need to stop doing this drunk, Monty. <laughs> Right. Never, never, never. Okay, listen. United the B- Kingdom. The BBC. Let's get, might, the let's B- get serious. Yeah. I mean, right, let's get it. The BBC might be listening. Yeah, to Yeah, we've got accreditation to get and everything. Uh, so <laughs> BBC. <laughs> right. Okay. Here's the thing. Right. So, me and Monty went to the press launch for this, and first things first, it was it was good to see. It was a press launch that wasn't just Eurovision fans being schmoozed in the hope that they would start a good conversation about the Eurovision entry. It was all industry professionals. It was all BMG. It was all writers from big media, not just us. It was a room it had it had purpose. They they knew exactly what they were doing with this launch. This was a launch of a single. Mm-hmm. A chart single. This is this felt like a this felt like that kind of launch, not like, oh, it's Eurovision. No, this was a proper launch. It was in London. It was in the Century Club in London. It was a big deal. He sang on stage. He had, I assume, the team that he would have had on stage because he had the backing singers, all of that. It had everything that you thought was going to be part of the Century at Eurovision. So it was a big deal. It was a big deal. I had to say, I missed the bit where he sang because I had to work that oh, shit. I, yeah. I had a pro- previous work engagement so I only got it there in time for the the, the, the last bit of the free wine the drink basically <laughs> but um, yeah the, the BBC hospitality had certainly upped its game no 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 I think that I think that was BMG money oh maybe I'm sure it was I'm mm. sure that wasn't licensed by him that was not I'm very very grateful for it yeah for sure yeah but um, it was it was impressive though because you're right I know some people who work in the industry and they were saying how impressed they were at the calibre of people who'd been invited and who turned up to it. And who there wrote was an, about it. Yeah, and who wrote, absolutely. There was a different level of interest, and that's fair play to the BBC. They really did up the game in that sense. They got, you know, the, the, the records company behind it, and, you know, the, 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 the difference in the approach was just so noticeable. This was a big deal. It was. And I think for me, what I liked about this approach was it was trying to build the concept of doing Eurovision in the UK as something worth doing for your career. I think, you know, this is the problem what we've had of years and years and years of people disparaging Eurovision, putting it down, including coming from the BBC itself in its presenter, in its compare, um, uh, commentator sorry, um, for so many years, putting the show down. It's not been seen as something aspirational to do. And this really felt like this was a move towards, not the successful move, but a move towards trying to make Eurovision aspirational to songwriters and to singers. And 
this wasn't going to turn the fortunes around in a year, but the BBC and BMG knew that. They knew that this was part of a several year project to try and shift the perception of what Eurovision is in the UK. Uh, and I think that this was a successful first move. It's so devastating that after having put that effort in, they're not going to see how the reward may or may not have paid off. And I think that the BBC and BMG, from the conversations I had that press launch, were open to the fact that they did not know what the result was going to be. But they also weren't close to the fact that a result in the bottom half of the scoreboard would have been a failure. They would have seen this still as part of a process moving towards something. And that is what was most noticeable and most welcome about the shift this year. There's two things I'll say about that. The first thing was, I will never, I mean, I will, I will call you out on it. I will never, ever hear anybody, I see it all the time written on the on the Facebook groups and online, people saying, well, you know, the BBC never want to win. Uh, the BBC want to win Eurovision, trust me. Maybe not in the past, maybe I, for whatever reason, but, but, Categorically, we've had people, people, I'm just going to say people, from the BBC stand in front of us and say, no, 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 guys, we want to win, trust, we want to fucking, we want to host, we want to show them. So, I do not accept that, I do not accept this, well, the BBC don't really want to, yeah, they fucking do, so just stop, they really do. There's people in that delegation who really care, like we do. Mm-hmm. Not all, not everyone, not everyone at the BBC does, but we know the BBC is lots of different companies made up. You know, there isn't just one BBC, right? So stop talking about the BBC like they're one thing. They're not. But there are lots of people who are involved in that delegation who go to Eurovision who want the best, who want to win. That you need to understand for sure. Absolutely. The second I- thing is, oh, sorry, the second thing I want to say is that this is a step forward. And the BBC wanted to say, because we, so me and Monty were talking to some people and we said something about, well, we got introduced to the project manager, like the big project manager of the, yeah, Eurovision project from from the BMG perspective. And we're asking the questions. And at one point, I don't mind saying, I'm not saying name, no, I'm just being really open on, someone stepped in and said, wait guys, this is, this is BBC doing this, not BMG. Like, so they were very quick to tell us that this is the BBC-led project. Now, BMG obviously were part of that. They're a component part of that. They were the quite a big component part of that. Um, but they might not be back next year because it's a... I think you have to... I think we could be wrong here. I think you have to tender for it. So it's this year they tendered. Doesn't mean they're back next year. But I'm pretty sure BMG will probably tender it for it next year. But that that I I feel like we we can say that and that is what is. That's how it went down. Yeah, I got mixed messages because I read afterwards that this was confirmed as a three year project, but yeah. I didn't get that impression talking to them on the night. No, um, but I think the 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 vision, the BBC's vision, and you're absolutely right. It is the BBC leading this. The BBC's vision is long term. Yes. The partner may not be long term confirmed, but the the BBC's vision to do this. And you're right. It's absolutely not just a case of the BBC subcontracting this out to a record company. The BBC is working with them on a joint project that the BBC is leading. 
it's definitely the BBC's project. Just to pick up your point about the different parts of the BBC, I think that's never been so more prominent as when we had the double launch on Radio 1 and Radio 2. Radio 2 having the artist himself there, having Ken Bruce, a long-term Eurovision stalwart, uh, doing that, and having, was it Aidan Grimshaw? On, no, who was on? Who was no, the? It was who was the guy on? It was Greg James. Greg James. We'll come back to that because yeah. my tweet. I've, I don't go viral. I'm not. I'm not big on the tweets. But for my version, I went viral because mm-hmm. everyone started retweeting after I had a go about Greg James. But anyway, Kevin. But it was such a coup to get a Radio One level launch. And it just felt as though the presenter had not been brief, and this wasn't the case. So this is what we want to achieve with this, and you know, it it was just dismissive. It really, really got my dander up. It I, I'm gonna say you're wrong. He was briefed. He knew exactly what he was gonna be talking about. It sounded like he probably prepped every single part of that show. He's a professional. It's Radio One. Greg James. Big, big, well-known Radio 1 British G- DJ to turn around and say, I don't know why I'm playing this. Oh, what am I like? You know, you know, it was kind of like, it was fun and it was done very sort of quick and, but he basically said, you know, oh, so we so apparently we're playing the Eurovision song. I don't know why. That's essentially what he was saying. This, okay, this song, this song wouldn't necessarily be a Radio 1 playlist. We know that they rate songs and give them draw a line and this is radio one and then this is radio two well you would get it right but this is this is your employer this is the bbc trying to push a song which actually is credible is from an artist who is who has written songs that you have played on your show mate give it a bit of respect actually give him respect don't ever turn around to a song that you're about to push play on on your radio show and say i don't know why i'm playing this because why are you in radio mate that's what I'm going to say about that. Yeah, I think it was totally unprofessional. Yeah. And I think it was clear that, you know, the, if this was a project that the BBC wanted to do across various of its platforms, he should have been on board with yeah. that. He should he, absolutely have been on board. For balance, for balance, I will say, later on, they did a BBC news beat, uh, news bulletin. Yes. Um, it's produced by uh, people, that, people that we know who are Eurovision fans and did do a slightly more friendly interview with James Newman and was quite a lot more about the song what it's about and I thought that's all it needed yeah. that's all you needed from the show before when you announced it earlier in the morning the afternoon news bulletin was better than the announcement mm-hmm. I said that to the people in that room at the launch of the BBC <laughs> it was noted that uh, the BBC Radio 1 did not embrace it and yeah. I feel like after years of people and we know friends that we know have been lobbying radio yeah. one people to say come on come on we're not asking for like a big fanfare but just give us a nice little nudge or a push or something that's what we got after that yeah. and that is that's yeah. the best you could do like so we've talked a lot about the process what do we actually think about the song yeah okay <laughs> no no here's the thing so for a while i said to you because when it first got announced i was like this is possibly like one of my top three songs this is up there now you know yeah good song you know that this, this uh, here's the thing we interviewed him I can't we, we can't play you the audio of the interview because it was in a bar and it was so loud that it's not good quality but what he said was if I'm going to do Eurovision 
I listened to fans. He said fans, but I think he means pop bitch because the pop bitch article about what makes a good Eurovision song. He quoted almost verbatim. So, but whatever, this guy did his research. He's trying. He's trying to write a song for Eurovision. So he said, I listened to Eurovision fans, and uh, we everything from the tempo, the beats per minute, the BPM between this and this doesn't work. So we went for this. Like he really thought about how can I do well at Eurovision, and what he produced was what he thought was the best thing that he could have produced. That was still authentic to him. Yeah, absolutely. And I really like the song. And it's kind of like, it's another one of those songs that seems truncated um, to fit into the three-minute time frame. Because three minutes is a is a particular time frame to write to. You're but it was so short. Sure. style of song for three minutes. But it wasn't that, even that long. Well, that's, that's, what, that's my point. I think it was short because to have extended it would have gone over the three minutes and to have tried to write a song to go into the three minutes, you would have had to write in a very, very different style. The three minutes gives you quite a formulaic kind of song and that's why Eurovision has had a formula for many, many years. Um, so I think it was, you know, it was still keeping to the style that he would have done, presenting something interesting for Eurovision. Um, and actually, the, the song, it's, a, it's a real earworm. Mm. You know, it didn't take many, many listens to get into my head. And I was singing it. And when you, it's there, when it's played, it has got that kind of anthemic quality. This is an artist that I don't think we are going to see back next year. Mm. I don't think that would be... Um, because the BBC didn't want to invite him back. But I just, I'm not sure that, although he was committed to Eurovision in terms of if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it properly. I don't think Eurovision was the primary aim of him doing this. I think it probably was more a stepping stone for his own career. Yeah, for sure. And I but feel- that an artist thinks that you can use Eurovision to do that is a really positive turnaround. Here's the th- here's the thing. Let's take one positive from this, and I, I I could be completely wrong here. Maybe Eurovision being cancelled was the best thing for the BBC. I say that because we're not going to get a crap result. Whatever whatever reason you want to throw at it, whatever this is the year of Brexit, or, or, or whatever whatever people are saying, there's n- there is no result that you can hook on and say oh, well, it's bad because of this. Next year, the conversation can be, weren't we unlucky that we that we had a great song and we didn't get to show it at Eurovision? The narrative changes. Mm-hmm. So I feel like maybe like people like us, you know, fans, people, fan media, should probably start talking that up. So the big media follows suit and says, you know, oh, you know, everyone hates us, Europe hates us, you know, Eurovision is just a camp bit of fun, all that sort of stuff. That's not the narrative. The narrative will should and could be, it's a shame it was cancelled last year. We had a great act with a great song. Let's see if we get there. That's all of the big five and the would have been host this year. We've talked you through all of those songs and highlights of the first and second semi-final in our two previous mm. shows. That's it for now. We are going to leave you until we come back early June. The reason why we've got a gap is because, quite frankly, we've not picked all the cherries. But we are pretty. We're pretty excited. We've picked some of the cherries so far, and I know you're all thinking you think we, you know, what we've picked. Not necessarily. 
Well, we'll see. Mm. You'll see. <laughs> Thank you for listening to us again. And we hope you've enjoyed these three little bonus episodes that we've chucked in as a result of Eurovision being cancelled. Join us. We're going to bring you our first cherry of the 2020 season. So it's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me. See you later. See you soon. Bye. Bye.